Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Munzenreiter, and I'm joined this week by Maddie Hazlett and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite to talk about Thrasher's established video series about skate shops. But first, we're going in on the state of pro model skate shoes. Leo Baker's shoe for Nike SB comes out later this month, and that got us thinking about the state of pro model shoes more generally. Jason, what's a signature skate shoe mean in 2023? It means that you're elite. It means that you're in the upper echelon of professional skateboarding so i did a little survey a little rudimentary internet research and the only skaters with pro model shoes not colorways we're not talking colors we're talking like a pro model underneath or and there's probably more but most of them i think were nija stefan janowski ishad lucas pui taishan blondie blondie for some reason still has a (laughs) pro model on the ideas website not even a colorway like it says blondie pro model in black and white so he's obviously doing something right. Anyway, then you got Vans, you got Gilbert, Rowan. There's probably a couple more Vans. Who's that guy? The greaser guy? Greaser guy on Vans. On Vans. Not Gilbert. Like he yeah. used to be a Dylan wannabe. Now he now he's a greaser. Oh. Dude, um, what the hell is that guy's name? Oh, this is terrible. I'm gonna have to look on the internet. He wrote anyway. for Chocolate Foundation yeah, as well yeah, as Yeah, he was FA. on for Chocolate in it. Oh my gosh, Maddie, help us, save us. I'm trying to remember too. It was the he had like beef with Austin Gillette, or is it Austin Gillette? It's Elijah no, Burrell. Yeah, like there you go, Elijah Burrell. Holy cow! Yeah, because he had all that beef, right? Like I don't know yeah, much yeah. about him. Oh, yeah. I do know about him. Yes, I know who that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, he may or may not still have a pro model. And then you got Tiago, Frankie, Jamie Foy, Abe, Nora, and that's it. I didn't, I didn't really bother with America because, like, but I did. I can go into that later if we want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If if need be, but it, it seems like like 10 or 15 years ago, like everyone had a pro model. Like if you were on a shoe company, you had a pro model. Like Justin Eldridge has had one, Bobby had one, Bobby Warris, like infamous the first blood, maybe the best name for a pro model shoe ever. And going back even further than that, it seems like every everyone had one. Like the Chad Knights of the world were even getting pro models. No disrespect to Chad Knight, he was sick. Um, like a Canton Russell Castell pro model. Yeah, Castell. Uh, like, yeah, th- like, all right, we got Castell. Let's give everyone a pro model. Like, uh, like Rick Oyola, like Ronnie Burkino had one. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's a thing with royalties or whatever. Uh, maybe, you know, the math. The math wasn't math in before. But, yeah, right now to have a, a pro shoe with your name on, you have to be, like, super elite. Not, because, what, Shane O'Neill had one, but now he doesn't have one? Like, who's who's more elite than that guy? As far as I know, yeah, it wasn't moving that well, and it was like a Janoski kind of, let's say a take on the Janoski anyways, and yeah, so they, they swapped it out for the uh, for the original. Yeah, and I think that that time period you're talking about, like when Bobby, I, he rode for S, right? That was what his shoe was That's for? That's right, yeah. Yeah, like when, the, when that type of shoe was out, I don't think they were doing, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think they were doing as much of like the signature colorways. Like, I don't remember that being nearly as big of a thing until now. So I feel like maybe that's the substitute of, like, right. from a company perspective, you do the signature colorway and it does great. That gives you more, like, power to go to the folks of the company and be like, hey, like, we did this colorway last year. The shit was really good. Like, maybe we should consider them down the road. Or, vice, like, the opposite side, like, instead of doing something like the Shane shoe and it flopping, they could just give Shane a colorway and then it doesn't do as well. They don't even have to invest fully in doing a full rollout for 
a signature shoe and going through the design process. I think it kind of lets them almost like test the market yeah, um, to see if there's demand for it. And that structure probably wasn't around 15 years ago. So they were just, especially like with uh, Soltech companies that maybe don't have the same like market research that a company like Nike does, where they're just like more skater owned, more skater run. And it's like, oh yeah, Bobby's sick, give him a shoe. <laughs> and now it's like way more thought out than that that's just my speculation yeah that makes sense it's like you said like the investment especially from you know the perspective of uh you know soul tech like from it's my understanding that creating like a new mold for an all-new shoe is really expensive like six figures and you know that kind of thing so definitely makes sense for there oh by the way i forgot griffin gas shout out griffin gas he has a pro model shoe too for lakai question mark for lakai that's right that's sick. I didn't know that. It looks cool. It looks kind of like a fila. Oh, okay. Like, like the stripe deal on the side, like you might is a fila from back That's in the day. Is that kind of vibe? Yeah, like it, is, it is pretty sick looking. Yeah, and I just thought about this. I think that Leo is a good example of that progression, right? Leo had the uh, dark burgundy kind of color Bruin that came out a few years ago, and um, I guess Nike saw enough of a return that now this new Leo shoe kind of just looks like a teched up version of that Bruin that he was skating before. And I think that's like a good example of like, all right, let's give this person the colorway, see how it does. And let's take that shoe that was in that colorway and like kind of do an iteration off of that. Cause I feel like no one can deny that this shoe kind of looks like a Bruin a little bit. Um, similar to how like the Alexis Sablone shoe kind of looks like the fast break, I believe it's called for cons. Um, and I think that's just like kind of how they're doing it. Like give them the colorway and then iterate off that shoe. Do you guys feel like that's what's happening here? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think wherever I saw the the, the Baker shoe on Instagram, I was like, this is kind of based off of the Bruin High that was already out there. Though I, I'm I at first glance, I thought it looked like that long gone Omar Salazar shoe that you can get off of shoot it wasn't grailed it was another one of those sites when i googled to get an eye on it but you can still buy them for like 300 bucks now that Omar 300 shoe. bucks hey dude, man it's... dude i had i had both iterations of that shoe i had the uh, the original one which was like a boot and then the the second one which is like a like a bulk like wait a, they like did half... there was two versions of it yeah yeah there two. was like that this is the one that like looked like the half cab right yeah yeah, yeah the, the first one was a cup it was like freaking bulletproof okay and the second one was more like lot a lot lighter it was like a half cab type of thing out of a had a vulcanized soul but damn 300 bucks i think i can see what i could get on the on the open market there i think i've i think i've been mowing the lawn in them and shit <laughs> <laughs> that's like you know that's like the lowest rung on like the, the shoe like hierarchy in your house there's like all right shoes you're skating then like you kill them, then you, you're just like hanging out at the house and you're just like doing yard work. And then the bottom rung is like you're mowing the lawn. Literally the life cycle of my skate shoes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Seriously. yeah I think it, it is interesting the way that, you know, it really is, or, you know, for the most part is the, 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 the tip top skaters have shoes anymore where they used to just kind of hand them out seemingly. That said, it, it does seem funny that like, there's not a Eric Costin shoe on the market, even if, you know, his output has been not that much lately. Anybody else feel that way? Or, if, or, or like, just on the idea of legacy pro models, like Mike Carroll could have a shoe 
for infinity. No, I mean Tom Penny. You can buy a Tom Penny too. Yeah, yeah, they brought that one back. Did did they bring back the Arto as well? I think they might have. They were doing like a SXL tie-in and Arto was posting about it. I think I saw yeah, that yeah, on, yeah. Something, on Cold No Wiki's newsletter, but yeah. Thought it, any thoughts on legacy pro models or anything in that line? Jason, you were saying? Yeah, I mean He's definitely one of the best ever, and and like if you think about it, if you compare it like basketball, Jordan has like he still has like you know twenty or thirty different shoes now. Like at, at any given moment, maybe like seven might be or eight might be available. Like you can't go out and buy like a Jordan twenty one. I mean, you might be able to, but you know what I mean. There's a certain number of them out, but yeah, like those are available. You can still get the penny shoes. Um, yeah, it's weird. Maybe like the uh, like whatever brand equity they have, like the the greatest skaters of all time like your costins your guy marianos your cardiels doesn't really translate to shoes because like costin had a couple for nike and like the, the first one were really good that that there was another like bruin inspired one mm-hmm. like i had both the, the first ones they were so good dude they were like a bruin but a little more teched out i had like the low top and the high top the second ones with like the inner boot those were weird like they were good at first and then like the boot seemed like got more and more constricting on your foot. Like, I don't know, dude, it was weird. But anyway, maybe, you know, they let the market dictate that. And like, you know, if you have a couple of pro miles and it doesn't work out, then, you know, that's it. I guess, I guess it's different from like boards. Like we'll probably have a board out forever. So we'll cardio, but I guess shoes are different. Cause like, like I said, like so much money goes into R and D design, creating a mold and all that shit. Yeah, it does make me wonder if we'll see ever again like the the P Rod on Nike. Yeah, ten or eleven shoes. I want to spitball. I should have looked that up, but like that was one of the odder ones because I didn't really know any like diehard P Rod shoe skaters. But I mean, he managed to get a dozen years it seems out of out of that whole thing. And the last never... the last one I had was the eight. Okay, that's the one with the weird like rubber mesh. It was kind of like a Kobe type silhouette that had like this weird like rubber mesh as the panels i guess but yeah not pure nine or ten i couldn't gun to my head i couldn't tell you what it looked like yeah i think that the one of the guys that kind of comes to mind who is i don't want to use the word legacy but i guess he's maybe at that point is bushnitz and he still has a pro shoe that's like still super popular i mean for myself that's probably my most skated shoe i skated so much so many of those for for years it's a great shoe but i think that it kind of comes to a point where the marketing strategy that I think has come over from like pro decks to pro shoes maybe works better in hard goods because like, yeah, there's board widths. Yeah. There's wheelbase, but like generally most folks can skate around the same board, the same wheels. Like there's much smaller shifts in that. Whereas I feel like a shoe is like really specific to a person so kind of think like the name on the shoe only really gets someone into the door more than like, I'm going to continue to skate uh, Eric Costin's board because he's my favorite skater. It's like you can love Eric Costin as much as you want, but like the shoe that comes with it, I think has to also be good. And I think that's when we see some of these longer term ones like Bushnitz. Like I haven't seen Bushnitz footage in a, in a minute, but his the shoe like structure itself is so good that it keeps selling no matter the name on it at the end of the day so i'm thinking maybe that's why we're seeing like less legacy pros with shoes because it just takes 
a lot of en good engineering and sometimes just luck to come up with a shoe that's going to last for that long, especially with like new technology coming out and things like that. So I think it's maybe more rare than having a good board shape or something like that for just to have a shoe that lasts that long. And I think Bushnitz is one of the only folks who's really still doing that. Yeah, that shoe's one of the most like aggressively cool looking shoes on the market, but I could never run it because of the, the heel lift. I mean, it's a very distinct shape and then you got a lifted heel and like that, it is a cup sole, but it strikes me as Volk in my mind. Yeah. And I, I would, I would wonder if that is, if he's got the second longest running pro model out right now after a shoe that we don't even, you know, necessarily always think about as a, as a pro model, like the half cab. Yeah, totally. It, it's probably up there. For sure. I mean, I yeah. was meeting them 10, at least 10 years ago. And at that point, I feel like it wasn't a new shoe. So I feel like it's been out for a minute. And they know they made a new version, a few, at least a few years ago, if not more recent. Like there's a version 2.0 of it that's pretty similar. So it sounds like they're still like backing that silhouette, which is which is cool because I feel like I still see them being skated all the time. Yeah, I still see them like just being worn, period, not even being skated. Like one of my coworkers who doesn't skate was wearing some. I was like, do you skate? They're just they're like, no. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like at a certain point, especially with Adidas or like that big of a, a brand, like the boozes is just going to be like a shoe like the Stan Smith or something or like the Rod Laver. Like going to my head, I couldn't tell you what Stan Smith looks like or who he was. No, he was a tennis player, but I don't know anything else about him, you know, but, you know, I know what a Stan Smith looks like. It's a plain cup sole with like or three little holes instead of three stripes. So like at a certain point, like the name, you know, just lives on and it'll, it will probably like go on for long time i guess i mean yeah. he's probably go ahead maddie i was gonna say yeah totally i i feel like there's probably kids who wear bushnets who don't really know who he is in like all that much regard like they probably are kids out there who are coming up in the last few years who just think the shoe looks cool and they couldn't really tell you anything that he's done through his career and almost weirdly because he's such a prolific skater like the name has become analogous with a shoe to some generations more than it is to the skater behind that. And yeah, oh, yeah. It's kind of a fascinating phenomenon that's yeah. happening. Or even, like, Janowski, like, what was I'm like? What was his last video video part? You know what I mean? Like, he, he's gotten some clips and stuff, and, like, he's had some ads, but, like, what was his last big video part? Like, freaking, uh, like, Habitat? Habitat Origin or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like, at a certain point, if, if your name's on a shoe, your name becomes the brand. Well, yeah, crazy. That's what I was going to say with Janoski. Like, I worked in the shop 10 years ago, and people would come in, buy them, skaters, non-skaters, and oh, I would say a majority of those people, again, both skaters and non-skaters, they didn't know it was a dude's name. You know, it kind of does, <laughs> it, it, it kind of is one of those words that's just like, well, that's a weird, you know, is that an old, like, check word for shoe? I don't know, you know? It, it's that's crazy and it is really disconnected from his output because yeah like you like you were saying jason i i have no idea when he his last video part came out it was nice to see him skating again where he, he looked pretty on it which was a happy surprise and then you know the the old clips that have bubbled up were a great reminder that that dude really did rip even though he's kind of you know still an unlikely guy to have arguably one of the most you know popular nike skateboarding pro models like someone on Twitter said that um, the Rolling Stones, he's he's like a, you know, 
show guy roadie i don't i don't know what the proper term is anymore but um apparently like the rolling stones loved the janoski air max if anybody can find that tweet help me out what like the band or like one of their roadies or whatever like mick jagger's wearing oh that's the air max <laughs> that's sick and actually i was watching the that's u.s funny. open the other day and uh john McEnroe's brother who's First name I'm blanking on. He was interviewing someone wearing the Patrick McEnroe was wearing the Janoski Air Maxes, interviewing someone after a match, and they were brand new shoes. I, I didn't even know you could still get those, but the McEnroes yeah, probably have have connects. Trying to visualize what they look like. They don't really look like the actual shoe. They're kind of a what's that fly knit? You know? Oh right, right, right. yeah, one of it, those. It almost looks like a cross between like a Roshi and um just kind of a nike free runner oh it's, yeah it's I, funk. yeah i'm looking at it it doesn't look like i mean it has like the same similar side panel but it's like the cross between janeski and like one of those rocher flying it jobs yeah if you, if you were like oh the basis of this is a boat shoe you wouldn't <laughs> necessarily get that dumb story but i um i was working at third layer it was 0607 i want to say because i didn't work there any years after that but the Quicksilver team came through because Christian Hasoy was promoting a documentary he was in he was in that was about him. And Janoski was there and he was wearing like prototypes of the shoe. And I asked him, like, what are those? And he's like, Oh, I wanted a boat shoe. And they made me a boat shoe. <laughs> and then weird thing had happened that day. I let a dad's kid skate for free and he gave me a weed nug. And I didn't really smoke. And so at the end of the night, this is like midnight, Quicksilver guys are leaving. They're like, do do you know where we can get some weed? I'm like, I have no clue. However, (laughs) and I go out to my car, produce this nug, and Reese Forbes is like, a dad gave that to you? And he thought it was the funniest thing ever. Wait, so wait, so did Hasoy skate the park? He did a little bit. But I didn't. He, there, there's a bowl there. There's like a wooden bowl. Oh right, right, right. right. Yeah, it's a good bowl. But um, no, nah, they screened the movie out back, and then I helped him set up some bushings. He might have gotten bones bushings for you truck nerds out there. It was a night. Um, we should probably talk about pro model shoes though, and I, I'll I'll put this one out there. If you release a pro model shoe, uh, I know Templeton in the group chat proposed a law, binding law that means you got to put out a video part with the pro shoe do we agree on that yeah it's i agree with that i mean these days it seems like standard operating practice promotes but yeah yeah that's fair maddie you you jotted down a little controversy oh for sure yeah i think for a signature shoe i mean like just putting like my own thoughts into these people like i would want to have a part to go with it right like if y'all had a shoe come out like you always want to put your best stuff forward so especially if it's a signature shoe, like, I feel like you'd want to see that. That being said, I think there's, well, I don't think there has been some controversy with Beatrice uh, colorway. It's not a signature shoe. It is a colorway. And folks on the internet being really nice and supporting um, have been calling for footage from Beatrice if she's going to have a shoe. And I was kind of wondering, do you guys think that there's a differentiation between a colorway and the pro shoe. Like, does Beatrice get the pass here because it isn't a full shoe? Like, she had a couple clips, but it kind of ended there. I don't know if there has been any confirmation that Leo has a part coming with the shoe. I hope so. But again, if it doesn't happen, like, what is, like, where are we looking at that? I feel as though for me, the signature 
if it's a signature shoe, you should probably put some footage out with it just to help promote it. Even just from a brand standpoint, I feel like the brand would be bummed if you didn't. But if it's a colorway, just a few things, it's probably fine. Um, I guess the big thing with Beatrice's shoe was there was a huge push. Like there was a drop, there was a release party, like there was a lot behind it. So I'm trying to empathize and understand. But also from a skater's perspective, I feel like maybe it doesn't always even fall on them. Like what skater would not want to put footage out? You know what I mean? So I'm also curious to like maybe Vans was just like, yeah, this is good enough. Let's do it. And it wasn't even coming from Beatrice. So I think that maybe she's just like an easy person to to beat up on right now because that's what people like to do. Um, yeah, I mean, kind of like, getting like portrayed through this shoe. Yeah, I mean, I don't recall that happening for like anyone else who got a colorway. Like when Wade got a colorway, no one was like, "Where's the footy?" You know? Yeah, exactly. Not like not like they're the same. That's just the first one that comes to my head. Not they're like the same type of skater at all. But you know, with the colorway, I think like an ad. You can come up with something dope for an ad. That I think that's fine. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that a lot of the narrative too now is like that she doesn't deserve the shoe. And I kind of was like wondering what you guys thought like constitutes that. Like, what does it mean to deserve a shoe? Because I feel like I've seen that verbiage a lot. Like, there's the the Beatrice doesn't deserve it. Insert X skater that should have had it instead. And I feel like that's just like a weird thing to say about skating. I feel like it's like very like quantifying skateboarding which is like contest skating and in my opinion complete opposite of what a skater like Beatrice or like a lot of these folks who are having Leo any of these people having shoes come out like they're not like a quantifiable number that goes with their skateboarding so like what does it mean to deserve a shoe I don't know if you guys yeah I mean my my take on that is like you know uh let the free market decide if Vans thinks the shoe might sell and put it out, like run up the flagpole, see who salutes it. Like if it sells, great. If it doesn't sell, you know, so be it. You know, it's like with her being pro, like Dill, whoever decided that she was marketable enough to sell skateboards, you know, so be it. Like skateboarding isn't like a meritocracy. Sorry, uh, skateboarding <laughs> isn't a, isn't a meritocracy. Hate hate to break it to you, but you know, there's other stuff at play there. Yeah, I mean, there's the you know so-and-so deserves it over so-and-so talk is kind of funny just because I don't feel like skateboarding, you know, the focuses of what capital S skateboarding wants out of skateboarding change every now and then. And we're kind of in like a vibes and personality in person over a straight progression time frame. or no, what's a better way to put that? You know, pro- progression isn't as important as vibes right now. And yeah, like you said, Dill and the, the the decision makers at Vans have decided Beatrice has the vibes they want to, you know, they want in a skateboarder who they're going to promote. That all said, I will say, I feel like Beatrice has at times not had, you know, just where is the footage has been a has been a uh, frequent question, I think, when it comes to her. Fair or not, it does seem like, I don't know, I, the, I, I feel like the whole colorway thing is kind of chintzy just as a marketing thing it's like yeah we're, we're we're a little tepid on giving you a pro model but here here's your colorway and we're gonna make a big deal out of it so i i wish we knew who was the first colorway you know oh, what, brand what skater did that no it would be um the dunks right when like Danny oh, yeah. Super had like the nyx mm-hmm. colorway and all that shit i think it was i think it was them Richie Mulder had his dunk yeah, color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, all, with all the dunk color. But, um, all right. Well, that was too quick, Matt, I was, <laughs> Maddie, I was going to ask you, have, have there been any pro models by 
like women skaters like specifically for women Hmm, that's a good question i mean alexis sablone just had a shoe come out but that wasn't marketed as like a women's shoe i think the only company that i know of that's specifically marketing shoes to women is nike um nike has the women's bruin right yeah i think that's what i was thinking yeah and i don't think that any of the other ones i think they're Normally, like I know Nora, when Nora did that Adidas thing, everything was unisex. I think that's yeah, the direction yeah. that they go a lot of the times, just to be more gender inclusive, which I think is a good thing. And the issue I think that like kind of made me think of when you said that though is generally speaking, not always, because everyone's different. Women have a smaller shoe size than men. And there's been times when my friends will be like hyped on a new shoe that comes out. For example, the Alexis um, shoe, I think it's called the AS1, and they can't even find their size. So it's like, and like, I know from like seeing Alexis skate that like, she probably also wears a really small shoe. Um, for folks who've seen her in, in person, she's very powerful and also not very tall, which is pretty sick. And I just think it's always interesting. We have these like cool folks bringing shoes out and then you go to the shops and it's like sizes eight and up. And it's like, none of us wear an eight. We all wear much smaller shoes than that. So I think there's kind of maybe a disconnect happening when shoes are getting released and like what shops are ordering or whatever's happening that these shoes that are being marketed to specific folks aren't even having capabilities of buying them. It just made me think of that when you asked if it's ever marketed towards women, because the first thing I thought it was like, no, we can't even get the right shoe size half the time. So, yeah. Sorry for the leg here. I was uh, updating my list of America Pro models to, to oh, drop on y'all when the time is right. Um, I didn't even know they did that. There's there's some surprises coming here. Don't don't read my notes, guys. Um, <laughs> I, Maddie, you've got you you think the Ishad Pro model is is too ugly. I love that shoe. I've I've been skating it. That's do, funny. Do, uh, do we need a debate? It is kind of ugly, but it's, it's like pretty technically ugly. ugly. Yeah, I mean, okay, so like I love a shot like by far one of my favorite skaters he's so cool he looks awesome on his board and when I had I just heard like people talking that he was gonna have a shoe come out I was like oh yeah that's sick like this is gonna be dope and then I want to say the first one that came out was a brown or like tan one yeah and I was just like I was like oh no like this looks pretty (laughs) bad I haven't skated it um I have heard from others though that they weren't that stoked on it and I was just kind of like, for someone who's like, looks so cool on their board, like, why are we coming out with this like funny looking little tech shoe? It kind of just didn't fit like the rest of his, like what he'd been wearing previously. And yeah, for me, they're just, they were ugly. And honestly, I was disappointed because I'm such a big fan of him that I was like excited for his shoe to come out. Fair enough. Got Mike, the... uh, Mike, you're a fan of that shoe, right? Like you skate it? Yeah, I, I love it. It's like, uh, I don't know, I, I couldn't skate Volk anymore. The last Volk shoe I was skating was a Leo Baker, whatever that, uh, it's not a Harbor, that's an ancient, ancient shoe from Nike. Whatever the Leo Baker slip-on was, I was skating that, and then my feet gave out on me, so I had to switch. It's a good shoe. Let's, we'll stay open-minded here on the pod. Um, <laughs> any, uh, do we have any favorite pro shoes as we kind of get towards the end of this topic i'm trying oh, to think oh before we get move on to the next uh, subtopic i just want to say for the record yeah i'm looking forward to the next ishad pro model uh, based on the, the top secret spy photos that i've seen it looks kind of like a skatable air max or something to that effect so i'm, I'm so, all for the bubble i'm all yeah for i'm all bubble. for like 
That's Man, I'm, the, I'm the type of guy I will try out any new like gimmick or technical quote-unquote innovation shoe like I tried the costume with the inner booty uh or whatever you want to call it that was a thing so yeah definitely but um favorite pro model I would say like for the time like the the first as Krieger mm. that shoe was so good when it came out that's a wonderful wild card and like I, I'm curious to try the retros that they just came out with but like i I think i'll be just real disappointed because the thing about as was like the korea their factory in korea was so on point and there's no way it's made in korea now it's probably or vietnam or something so i don't know but they look cool though they look pretty uh pretty true to uh the original yeah i think a few shoes come to mind like i think there's like different subcategories of favorite i mean all-time favorite again is the bushnets that's the shoe i've worn the most skating um and i think that it's just timeless and really good and it looks cool recently i've been skating the frankies which i don't know are a signature shoe or just a colorway but there's like four colors with his name on it already so i'm leaning towards it being his actual shoe i think it's a signature shoe because i remember the ad it was like the whatever 422 the Frankie Villani Pro Shoe. So yeah, okay, cool. I thought it, I thought it was because I I mean I have two of the colorways that I'm skating right now, and I really like that shoe. That's probably my current favorite Pro model. And then in terms of looks, just like one that I haven't skated but I've like admired is Alexo. I think that shoe looks so cool. It's like looks like a shoe that I would see like growing up, like kids wearing playing basketball and like reimagined into a skate shoe and i think like the folks who can really pull that shoe off look really really good in it um shout out to my girlfriend katie who's currently skating those she looks really good in them so maybe that's why i'm biased and they're my favorite but those are definitely the the three the frankies the bushnets and alexis shoe and i guess also the tiagos is probably like the world's favorite shoe right now i feel like i see that shoe everywhere like everyone loves it and everyone tries it for the first time and then swears by it for ever so maybe that's objectively the best pro shoe out right now yeah i had a i have a pair on deck that i'm looking forward to skating yeah i'm tiago curious so <laughs> I'm, I'm still running the shots just like they have really ugly colorways i've got they're white but then they're like faux spray painted green and my whole summer window, I blew the summer window on them, but those are on deck. They'll be good. Yeah, I mean, it's like they're they're ugly, but like in a in a good way. Exactly. I don't know, like they have like the backward swoosh, like on the toe and on the heel and stuff like that. Uh, it's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, of pro models of note, I this is a fairly random one, but I had a couple of them like late high school, early college. Um, it was maybe a DVS Day One Four. I think it might have been Whoa. a four. It was kind of like a running shoe looking day one. Yeah, yeah, totally. I remember that one. Had an air bubble. I, I liked that one for some reason. And then definitely had had my share of Costin shoes. The Costin three was pretty sick. Had two or three pairs of those and they, they were good. And like I was I was blissfully ignorant that that was supposed to be a Jordan. I had no idea. I was just like, whoa, he's wild with this shoe. And then um, <laughs> anything more recently? Oh, um. The Lakai Select series. We didn't really mention Lakai at all, aside from Rick Howard and Mike Carroll should have shoes still. But um, the Rick Howard Selects that were basically like a Converse before Converse was. Oh yeah, yeah. Wait, no, I had those. And like they, they were like black with the red and blue stripe and the bot and like the tongue art was like a was a skunk. Ooh, I don't know. Like his old man. I got some, but uh. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, those were so good, dude. Yeah, it was basically like a Dr. J. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was a Converse, and then um, Mark Johnson had a couple different. Maybe it was the MJ2 select. That was basically like an Adidas with just two stripes on it. Yeah, that was, like a, that was a great shoe. Man, if they made something like that, I'd like it. But wait, I'm gonna change my answer. Uh, my favorite pro model of all time is the Rick Howard two on DC, like the mid top oh, yeah. with the, the mid top with the strap. Whoa, another another deep pull. It was so I like it. She was so good. Yeah, I would safe to say I could say it's my favorite skate shoe of all time. I always wanted the Rudy two that had the fat DC logo on the side that like JB yeah. Gillette skated. Yeah, those were huge. Lots of people skated it. That was pretty sick. All right, here's the big reveal. America Pro Shoe lineup. I'm going to start with the obvious ones. Spanky, Figgy, Leo Romero. But then there's also John Dixon and Colin Provost with shoes on America. And, um, yeah, I feel like America's got its own subculture going where they're going strong. But, man, you, you don't see a lot of America around my my neck of the woods. Yeah, you yeah, don't I see too so. many... You don't see too many in D.C. either. I will say when I make my way up into Maryland, you see them everywhere. Hmm. And I feel like they are capturing that, like, um, maybe not more rural area, but like... It's like middle America. Yeah, middle America. Like, we skate the backs of large, like, industrial buildings and jump down handrails. <laughs> like, that's their clientele. So, like... Yeah, man. dudes yeah. from Baltimore, dudes go. from like Baltimore County, like the outskirts, not really in the city, but they're like just going to their schoolyard and skating the eight stair handrail. Like they're gonna still love America. So I feel like anytime I make it out into like more rural spots or even just going to skate parks that are kind of like, I feel like the big thing, at least um, in my area, is skate parks get built in like the most random rural farm towns because it's the cheapest place to get land. Like. It's hard to build a skate park in DC. We only really have like one and a half good skate parks in the whole city because it's just so expensive to buy land. So they build them all out in Maryland and Virginia. And that's the breeding ground for people who skate America. So I actually see them all the time. And I see a lot of, I don't know what they are. I couldn't have, I, before this conversation, I couldn't have told you a single person who rides free America, but I guess they're doing something right. And you're right, creating this little subculture of of kids who are still living in that era which is kind of sick loading docks and church parking lot handrails exactly yeah they love to just jump off stuff and i'm glad that that lives on in some type of capacity and i can go on vacation and see it and then leave it behind and go home (laughs) all right well we don't really have a transition here so we'll just go in smash it thrasher's established video series highlight skate shops so far we've been giving docks on familia yeah, woot. I put my I put my I shook a fist, man, in, in solidarity with my hometown shop. Great, great podcasting. We also got short documentaries on 35th North in Seattle, KCDC in Brooklyn, Humidity in New Orleans, and Cowtown down in Tempe. Maddie, is Thrasher doing worthwhile work highlighting shops in this way? Yeah, I think so. I've been pretty stoked on the series so far. I feel like showcasing skate shops is just like a tried and true form of skate media i feel like this is not they're not like inventing anything or doing anything really like innovative here with the series but for me it never gets old i love skate shops i love skate shop culture i think there's like some romance that's kind of left with skate shops that's maybe like going away in the rest of skating i mean skating uh growing up pre-internet like 
skateboarding was this very romanticized thing where we got a few videos every year and the the pros were on this huge pedestal and I feel like skate shops still kind of operate in that era and I think that's really cool and something we should kind of cherish and hold on to because as we especially as we lose maybe the other side of it with the inundation of footage and Instagram and things like that that are kind of like not dumbing down but just normalizing skating into a different level so I feel like going to these skate shops is still special I know for me one of my favorite things to do when I'm on a trip is to go to the skate shop there. Like every every town I'm in, if it's for a skate on a skate trip or just vacation or for work, I'll always check out this the local shop. Like I work up in Connecticut a lot. So one time I popped into uh, uh, Plush, the new skate shop there. And it was so cool seeing it and seeing how different it is than other places and meeting the folks. And that gets you connected to like that scene there. And I feel like this series lets people kind of do that without the major barrier and cost of travel. Like, especially like if I was watching this as a kid when I didn't have the capabilities to just go to all these skate shops in person, it would like let me vicariously live through these interviews and snippets and scenes and like kind of learn about other places and what their communities are like. And I think the way that they're interviewing people and mixing in like, it's not just interviews of the owner. They're asking like a couple of them was like, this is the filmer for the shop. Let's talk to him. And then like for 35th North, they talked to Kristen, which I thought was really cool because she's such like an integral part of that scene and in turn part of the shop there. And yeah, I think they're doing a really, really good job of creating something that's exciting and people want to watch and keeping that romance alive a little bit in skating. The one thing I can't help but think about is some other shops that I would like them to do. Do you guys have any, I know Mike, you're probably like, all right, I'm good. They did, <laughs> they did the hometown shop, but are there any other shops that you guys are hoping that they've already captured or going to capture oh, and um... include in the series? Yeah. Well, venue here in Richmond, Virginia, of course, been around for, damn almost 30 years uh endless grind down in raleigh that shop's been around forever uh at least since the 80s they probably got a story to tell orchard up in boston shout out armin and them um matt you mentioned orchard in your notes as well yeah I mean, orchard's on my list it's a, both i mean they've they've recently moved but both of their locations are super rad and uh same thing good community good folks so that, i think that would be a really good one and also i'm just biased i think boston skating is like some of the coolest skating that's happening right now oh yeah yeah damn recited at chapter and verse on this uh podcast also in europe i'm trying to think of some shops in europe maybe like wall street and Lyon. i think jbga is uh involved with that somehow that's a pretty dope one but um yeah like you said maddie like they're definitely not reinventing the wheel with this series like as a matter of fact they did pretty much the same thing around five years ago they did something called rec centers get it like rec w-r-e-c-k <laughs> and they did they did a, pretty much the same deal i did it like ftc a uh, pacific drive the pacific drive one's really interesting and they also did another another one on kcdc which is also in this series but um yeah it's interesting like vein for content, like you said, because every shop probably has an interesting story. Like you can't like buy in. It's not like it's not like a McDonald's franchise where you, you spend like a hundred thousand dollars and then you get like the franchisee, the newer franchisee, and you like set up McDonald's. Although that would probably be interesting too. I would probably watch a documentary about people who 
start McDonald's and that whole fast food franchising. But um, yeah, you can't buy in. Like, why would you want to anyway? It's not like shops are super profitable. You know oh man, I, mean? I I was I was rapping with yeah shop people just talking about um, margins on decks anymore. And yeah, yeah, that's an aside. The price is oh well, the price of decks has gone way up. I think yeah, and I think I, it's like uh, by me, it's like seventy. Okay. Or just like a regular pro model. Yeah, the cost has been creeping too. So it's, it's kind of, yeah, the margin still isn't. Yeah, margin is probably the same. 25, 30% at most sometimes. Yeah, we shouldn't get in the weeds about margins. That's not yeah. what people tune <laughs> in for. I'm, I, I got to say, if, if I'm going to call for a uh, established about one shop, it's got to be uh, Sky High in Milwaukee, which... Um, I was fortunate years ago to write a storefront about the shop for the Skateboard Mag, then more recently for a Quarter Snacks article that I did about Skate Shop Tees. I talked to Aaron Polanski, the longtime owner of Sky High, and it's just one of my favorite shops. Just the Aaron's vibe is impeccable. They have one of the best names in skateboarding, as well as one of the best like shop tees, as, as noted in that article I wrote. And um, speaking of McDonald's franchises, the... Actually, the original founder of Sky High, he sold the shop to Aaron in, I don't know, I want to say 1999, if I remember from my reporting. But um, the founder of Sky High, and this was in an article, but I think it maybe it wasn't. He is a franchisee of Culver's Restaurants, which is basically like Midwest in and out So no shit. Yeah, he's got like two or three of them. And let me tell you, my kid loves Culver's uh Culver's French fries, and you go and get them, and it's about a 25-minute ordeal in the drive-through, and uh, yeah, you make bank. So maybe don't start a skate shop. Board margins are garbage, but French fry margins at Culver's—that's where the money's at. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I have nothing to say. Uh, I was just <laughs> gonna say that I, all the shops that you guys said are awesome. I mean, I had Orchard on my list, and then one thing that Jason touched on was the shop in Europe, I think it would be really cool to see some international stuff. I feel like we have seen this played out before in like multiple forms of media, but maybe we'll see a Europe shop, but like I've never really seen anything really documented about like stuff that's happening in Asia. Like there's a shop in Tokyo called High Socks and that scene is blowing up so much, like thanks to like Yuto and the folks that are coming out of there. Like I really like to see how they're skate communities and skate culture exists around the shop and just what it's like to run a shop there. I know from specifically high socks boards are like over a hundred dollars us out there. So we think it's like gnarly here, but other countries and I've heard Australia's can sometimes be similar except for specific Australia brands, but getting the brands from the U S can be really expensive for folks in other countries. And I wonder how that impacts the skate shops and how they're able to still like exist in major metropolitan areas like Tokyo while expecting kids to spend a hundred dollars on a skateboard deck. Like that's kind of an interesting thing to, to see. And then also just antisocial would be cool. And then shout out to skate Twitter legend, Ben kinetic shop in Delaware that's been there for like, I don't know, over 20 years. Um, 21, I believe. Yeah. It'd be really cool to see them give him some love and also just I feel like a lot of these um, ones that go after the skate shops go for like the KCDCs or the cow towns the ones that people have heard of and I think it'd be cool to see a smaller town shop like a Delaware shop who have been really holding it up for the scene there 
um, get some love and how that would be different than a place like Cowtown who that we learned in this little thing have really built up the scene, but now have such a incredible scene with the Phoenix Am and, and things like that. Yeah. Speaking of a uh, uh, wait real quick. Speaking of a real small town type of shop, can't forget about nine times skate shop up in Saskatoon with, uh, I guess, skate blogosphere veteran Dan Watson. Shout out that guy of uh, of you will soon fame or inf- or infamy. Now I got to. Yeah. I got to remind myself of the Fargo, North Dakota shop that I'm a fan of just vicariously. Yeah, or along those along the lines of international uh, type shops, there's a ton of them in Brazil. There's like Red Escape Shop, Matriz, like a whole whole bunch. I'd be interesting to see how the whole like Brazilian board company thing works. Like they use a different type type of wood that's all heavy and shit. I don't know. This is what I heard. Hmm, I didn't know that. I have heard that Brazil has its own like just like any major industry place has their own much. yeah their own industry their own board brands like and everything like you'll even see it sometimes on Instagram like. I'll find these random people who are like some 17 year old from Brazil and I've never heard of a single one of their sponsors and they can like flip back tail every single ledge on the oh, yeah. plazas. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's these whole ecosystems and Australia is the same way and that we're not even like privy to. I feel like we get a little bit like centralized on what's happening in the States and like all these other communities exist. And I would love, I'd love to learn about them and, um, kind of like what I was referring to earlier about this series, giving folks that entry into seeing them without the barrier of travel. Like, I can't just get up and fly to Brazil because I want to go look at a skate shop. Like, most folks don't have those capabilities. So offering that in a bite-sized five to ten minute little mini doc would be would be really cool. And I think something that people would totally tune into. Oh, yeah. It is uh, this skate shop in Fargo, North Dakota. It seemed too easy to recall the name, and then I second-guessed myself. Also, shouts to Board of Missoula in Missoula, Montana. I've been going there for years, on and off. Rad shop. It's in the name of the docu-series established, and we kind of we kind of talked about it a little bit, like breaking in. You can't just buy a franchise, but I know, Maddie, you were wondering in the notes, like, what is the viability of like coming in, opening a skate shop? Do you need those community ties? I know, just in the you know, the Cowtown episode for instance you know those those three were able to open their shop because they were skaters within the community and they were going in and filling a space you know filling a role that wasn't filled in terms of skaters owning the skate shop and being known quantities and being a part of the community like do you need those community ties could we move to xyz city and just open a shop and have it be cool or what what are we what are we thinking here yeah i think that yes to everything you said i think you (laughs) It just depends on the person. And I think there's two good examples of this. I'll start with the shop here in DC. Crushed is a very new shop. I mean, I want to say it's only three years old, but Brian, who owns it, worked at the previous shops that were here. He's in the community. Everyone knew Brian before Crushed existed. So he was able to kind of take his experiences within the skate community and the folks already trusted him and knew that his intentions were good. He wasn't just trying to like, make money off skating because I feel like that's a thing that a lot of maybe unsuccessful skate shops come in it's like oh like I kind of skate let me start a skate shop and it's gonna make money and like the one thing that skaters can do really well is like smell out people who don't have the right intentions and there's a couple shops in the area that are like within Maryland Virginia that kind of fit that and I feel like 
they're known for that. They're like, who are you? Like, you do you even skate? Like, is the biggest question. So I think having that pre-existing relationship with your community is really big. And I think that's why we're seeing a shop like Crush do so well is because everyone was like, oh, it's Brian. Cool. We're going to be all right. Like, we know Brian, everything's chill. And I think that can kind of go the other way of going into a different place kind of made me think of Plush with Alexis. I think you almost have to be on that level to kind of go into a new community. I don't know how much Alexis really operated in the New Haven, Connecticut community prior to the shop opening. I know she's from that area originally, but my guess as being a full-time working pro, she's not like at their like local skate park all that often. Um, And I think she co-owns it with a gentleman who also lives up there. So that probably helps too. But I think you kind of have to either have the big name like an Alexis or you have to already be in the community or you've had to do this so long ago. I think that's the other thing is maybe there was, I don't want to dismiss any of the hardships that anyone went through 20, 30 years ago to open a shop. But I feel like maybe the barrier of entry was a little bit less intense because just the nature of retail was different, right? Like now it's really hard for a shop to exist and compete with all these online retailers. So you kind of have to add something on top of just selling boards because it's much easier to go to alltimers.com and just like order two skateboards on their sale for 35 bucks than to like get on the Metro and go to U Street and talk to Brian and buy a $70 board off the wall. Like, and they have to offer something else um, where maybe 20 years ago they didn't have to do that because they didn't have that level of competition. Yeah, unless you're uh, unless you're someone like me who like going to the shop to get a board is like a thing. Like I look forward to it. Like oh, I get to talk to more or whatever, see all the new graphics, like stand on. You know, like it kind of reminds me of the 20 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever, like a skate shop experience. You know, so that's another type thing about shops, I guess. Yeah, I love I love setting up a board in the shop and just cutting it up and i don't know kids and all that there's um, wait, there's there's pressure you have to do a good grip job you can't do a shitty grip job with bubbles or whatever oh baby you got to see me in there i'm, I'm taking like <laughs> 15 20 years of experience behind the counter and employing it and just whipping that board around grip tape dust everywhere and it's the same air bubbles in the same spot on the <laughs> left side of my nose every time but it's it's a clean job otherwise i i, I yeah I, i'm in all like Wholly agreed. You got to have some cachet in the community. Um, I think the other piece of the puzzle, and it's borne out in established, like the 35th North was really cool, as was the Cowtown entries, where those are shops that are doing shit in the community on an extremely regular basis and, you know, making stuff happen and being a place, being a hub. And um, I don't know, it's a it's a closely held belief that if you're a skate shop, you got to do cool stuff to deserve skaters business because, you know, not, things don't happen. It's like it's like the launch pad for anything cool or good that's going to happen in a skate scene in a lot of ways. Like people can organize on their own, but having a shop behind it and offering the resources that the shop can offer like that is just so important. And, um, you know, speaking of just moving to a completely new town and starting a shop, I think you can do it like if you if, you know, you act in good faith and you're, you know, a, a real skater, you know, and you're like, what's up? Here's a new shop, blah, blah, blah. I'm from you know X and Y town. I think, you know, kids would pick up on that if there's a need for a shop. Like, you know what I mean? 
It and that got me just thinking now where, you know, I know guys from let's say mid midwestern good sized cities where they're like, you know, we got this shop and it's just okay. You know, it it cool shops don't exist everywhere and so it's it, it is a good thing to make videos about them and promote what they're doing and how they're doing it. Maybe people will catch on and spread the spread the word and yeah, just to make it coherent with what you were saying, Jason. I think, you know, if you're saying oh, this city's underserved. I'm going to go there and try to do something cool and involve the skaters and make it cool, as basic as that sounds. I think that that can work. Yep. Any other shops that we're stoked on? Definitely Not forgot right. some. Well, we didn't say Uprise. I don't think we said Uprise. uprise oh, upri- Uprises. Yeah, uprise. fantastic. All right, that brings us to the part of the show where we talked about what we're stoked on this week. Maddie, what are you stoked on? I am stoked on skating with a friend of a few of us on the show. We met, I met Jordan at Slow Impact this year. Shout out Cowtown, shout out Tempe. He's in town, so we're going to go to the plaza tomorrow and skate, and it's going to be really fun and a few degrees cooler. Today was 97. I think it's only going to be 93 tomorrow, so a nice temperate day in D.C. And I'm, I know I talk about the Mystics a lot, but it, it's WNBA season, and they clinched their playoff spot, uh, I guess, two days ago, yesterday? Recently. So I'm very stoked on the fact that, albeit they're having a rough end to their season with all these injuries, they still were able to make the playoffs. Jason, what are you stoked on this week? Well, talked about Stefan Janoski before, a uh, longtime venture truck rider. I'm stoked on that brand straight out of San Francisco, California. Stoked on the Rick Howard interview in the new issue of Closer, a really good physical skate mag. I mean, it's worth the 20 bucks. What else are you getting 20 bucks on? That's like two McDonald's meals or whatever day and age. Yeah, like any old world lore, I'm I'm like all about it. We're fucking stoked on uh, something that's kind of old, but I didn't mention yet is the Wade Desarmo episode of uh, Unmastered. It's like one of those raw footage things from uh, I guess the last primitive video, Define. Like if you want to see a real artist at work, you know what I mean. Definitely watch this one because like bolts, like landing bolts, isn't even good enough for this guy. Like every trick has to be landed bolts. Plus, like, his torso perfectly centered on the board. Like, it's crazy. So he's definitely one of the best out there. And uh, as the video game liaison on this podcast, I'm stoked on the new game Starfield. It's space role-playing game, kind of like Skyrim, but in space, if you're familiar with Skyrim. Uh, pretty sick, just barely scratched the surface a couple days ago. So stoked to dive in there in the near future. Uh, Mike, what are you stoked on this week? My buddy watched The Wade raw files and said it was almost stressful <laughs> like yeah right yeah um i am stoked on skating again because I, I probably broke my pinky toe stubbing it on a chair like a month ago and um finally started taking care of it the right way i was icing it but if your friend who's a doctor tells you that you need to buddy tape the bad toe to a good toe for stability, like do it right away instead of waiting a couple of weeks. And then um, also stoked on Carlos Alcaraz, his tennis and watching the US Open. My kid has been super stoked on tennis pretty much because you never, this is like a rough quote of her, um, you never know where the ball's going or where the players are going. And that's, that's fun. That's true. I love that's, that. some of the, that's some of the best tennis analysis i've ever heard it's it's accurate it's like when i'm what well this, this happens less frequently now because she 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 know now knows that ball is life but my wife would be like just get the ball for rebounds during <laughs> basketball and it's like why don't they just grab it and i'm like true that's what i'm stoked on this week let me find my script 
That's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out MostlySkateboarding.net for links and other show notes. Huge shouts to Templeton, who, even when he has the week off from podcasting, he doesn't have the week off because he's editing and adding those show notes. Until those show notes go up, you can keep up with us online. Uh, I kind of butchered that. Until next week, you can keep up with us online. Jason, where can the people find you? On uh, Twitter or X or whatever they call it now, at Carbonite94, on Afros and Carbonite. And writing stuff for quartersnacks.com. Uh, new shit drop in on one of the remaining Wednesdays in this month. So check back, I guess, on the remaining Wednesdays in September. Probably have some new shit up then. Uh, Maddie, where can the people find you? They can find me at Front Grinds on both Instagram and Twitter. Mike, where can the people find you? Uh, pretty much any social medias I'm on Instagram, Twitter, it's going to be at M Munzenrider that's it for our show Later. sitting in the morning sun I'll be sitting when the evening comes watching the ships roll in and then I'll watch them roll away again yeah Sitting on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away Just sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time I left my home in Georgia Headed for the Frisco Bay Cause I've had nothing and look like nothing's gonna come my way So I'm just gonna sit on the dock of the bay Watching the tide roll away I'm sitting on the dock of the bay Wasting time Look like nothing's gonna change the same I can't do what ten people tell me to do so I guess I'll remain the same sitting here resting my bones and this loneliness won't leave me alone listen two thousand miles I roam just to make this dock my home now I'm just gonna sit at the dock of a bay Watching the tide roll away Ooh, Sitting on the dock of a bay Wasting time